Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Hey, good morning, Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our multi-site locations. Regardless of where you're joining us from this morning, I just want you to know that we're so glad to have you with us today. Hey, I've got a quick question for you. Uh, Imagine for just a moment, what would it be like if I asked you to do a job, but then I did not give you the appropriate tools to do the job with? I was trying to think of an example that I could share with you to kind of illustrate the point, and this is so simple, all right, but but watch this. If I were to give you a can of food, like you can put whatever you want in the can, it can be the little mandarin oranges, it can be corn, it can be beans, whatever you want, but one of those cans of food, and I were to say, I need you to open this can of food. It's very simple. It's not a jar with a a twist-off lid, it's the cans that, that you have to kind of cut the top of the can off. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's the job. How many of you think that's a hard job to to open the can? It's really not that difficult, but check this out. You are going to say, the very next thing you're going to say is, where is the what? What are you looking for? What tool? The can opener, right? Because with the can opener, that's really not a difficult task, but imagine if I were to tell you, Open that can of food, but you don't get the can opener, right? Like you don't have the access to that tool to help you. Now I got a question for you and raise your hands. How many of you still think you could open the can of food without a can opener? Yeah, lots of people, right? Like it can be done. It's not impossible. We could probably come up with a hundred creative ways to open a can of food without a can opener. But watch this. I promise every other one of those ways It's going to be more difficult and possibly more dangerous because you're going to cut yourself on metal or you're going to turn to explosives and it's just not safe, right? The, the, The can opener makes all the difference in the world. It's, it's helping you do the job the right way. Today, I'm titling this message, Help is on the way. Because what we're going to see as we open the word of God to John chapter 14, we're going to see Jesus give us a pretty clear instruction Uh, But except this is simple to understand, it's not easy to do. And and I'm going to illustrate that in just a moment. It's a simple command. It's not easy to do. But then the the great part of this message is that Jesus is going to say, I'm sending help. Help is on the way. This is not a message about how you need to do all of this in and of your own strength. I've got someone who's about to show up to be your helper. So here's the context before we open to John chapter 14 as we've been preaching through the book of John. We are seated with Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. Judas has already left the stage. He is out as we speak, betraying Jesus, selling him out to the religious leaders for 30 pieces of silver. And, and Jesus is having his final moments of instruction with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And there's probably some heaviness to this room because Jesus is talking about some stuff. And there's probably a heaviness about the way he's presenting this stuff to the disciples. While they don't really know yet the full reality of what's about to happen, they know that something big's getting ready to go down. Like, it sounds like Jesus is getting ready to say goodbye 
right? And Jesus is having these final moments of instruction with his disciples. And and last week we looked at uh, some more of this conversation. We're going to pick it up in verse 15 of John chapter 14. And I'm only going to read one verse. This is the simple part. All right, it's simple to understand. It's not easy to do. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus says to his disciples, and by the way, he says it to you and me as well. He says, if you love me, what's the next phrase there, church? If you love me, keep my commands. Do you understand what he's saying? Is, is that difficult to understand what Jesus is saying? Nope. It's pretty easy to understand. Jesus is saying, if you love me, the way you can show me that you love me is by obeying my commands. And, and by the way, that's the first thing. I, I just want you to write this down, kind of a summary of that verse. The true measure of my love for Jesus is how well I obey him. The true measure of my love for Jesus is how well I obey him. Now, I got to be honest with you. I kind of hesitate even putting that in writing because it's so tempting to look at that with this, through this lens of legalism that says, oh, I see in order to prove that I love Jesus, I have to try really hard to do things for Jesus. And I don't even want to write that down, but check it out. I'm just summarizing what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. The true measure of my love for Christ is how well I obey his commands. Now, follow my thinking on this. I believe that if I were to ask the average Christian this simple question, do you love Jesus? I'm not talking about people outside of Christ. I'm talking about people who've invited Jesus into their life as their Lord and Savior. I believe that the textbook response that every Christian would give to that question, do you love Jesus, is they would say, well, of course, John, absolutely. I love Jesus. Yes, I'm a big fan of Jesus. I love him. And yet Jesus would hold up this measure and say, do you really love me? Because how well you love me really is seen in how well you keep my commands. So I I just want to test that for a moment. You'll notice on your handouts, if you're following along, I've given you a, a, a number of scriptures. Because the question that just popped right into my mind is, well, what were Jesus's commands? Let's look at some of them. And by the way, the list in front of you, we're not going to read all those verses. They're there for you to go look at. I'll just summarize them as we kind of run down those bullet points. Um, This is not an exhaustive list of all of Christ's commands to us. This is just a sampling, okay? And, And so to those of us, myself included, who might be quick to just go, yes, I love Jesus, we're going to kind of just hold this up as a mirror, not not a lens through which to judge other people, but a mirror to look at our own life and go, do I really love Jesus? How well am I loving Jesus? Okay, so you'll notice, for example, these are in no real particular order. The first scripture I gave you was Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. That's what we have come to call the greatest commandment. Why do we call it that? If you go look up that passage of scripture and read it in its context, you'll see that once Jesus was asked this question by a religious leader, he said, hey, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And without hesitation, that's where Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This 
is the greatest commandment. Jesus is saying in there, the most important thing is to put God as the number one priority in your life. So I would ask you, how well are you obeying Jesus' command to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind? Is God really the number one priority in your life? And before you just answer that too quickly, I guess I would say there's some things we can look at to really see how we are doing there. Like in terms of our calendar, how does your calendar demonstrate that God really is the highest priority in your life? Or would you have to say, you know what, honestly, I fill my life with so much activity that has nothing to do with the things of God. I just fit little pieces of God and his agenda in and around all of my stuff. About your bank statement, we could go through your bank statement and go, does my bank statement actually show that God is the number one priority in my life? That I put my treasure where my heart is? Or would your bank statement say, you know what, actually it looks like you just spend a lot of money on yourself and really the things of God and the kingdom of God gets very little of your financial attention. We could look at our daily disciplines and our habits of, of, you know, what is your habit for spending time with the Lord in prayer, in his word? And don't hear this as a checklist of what good Christians do and what bad Christians don't do. It's this idea, if you really love someone, you spend time with them. So this year we've been going through like reading through the Bible in 2018 as a church family. How are you doing in that simple discipline? of showing the Lord that he actually gets the first chunk of your day, or at some point, an intentional part of your day that you set aside to say, Lord, I love you. I, I want to spend time with you. Jesus said, here's a command, love God. And actually, it's the greatest commandment. Love God with everything you've got. Put him as number one in your life. And then, the next verse there, you'll notice that I gave you, it, it goes right on. Jesus goes on to say the second commandment is like the first. It's just barely below the first, and that's to love other people as yourself. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. So Jesus is saying, love God, love people. And by the way, I put this one out of order. If you go all the way down to the bottom of the, that list of bullet points, you'll see, um, what is it, Matthew chapter, let me find it on my notes, chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus is saying, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like, you don't even get a pass to love people that you don't like. You know, I get it. Like, some of us might think, well, okay, okay, love God with all my heart, soul, mind. Well, that's easier to do because God is perfect, and he's so faithful, and he's so kind, and he's forgiving, and he's merciful, and there's so many amazing qualities about God. I can, okay, I can go there. God, I love you. Wait, 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 wait. love people? But God, people suck. People are mean. People are unfaithful. People sometimes let me down. Sometimes people hurt me. Sometimes people don't forgive, and sometimes I don't even like them. And Jesus said, you don't really get a pass. Because I'm telling you, a command is to even love those and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. That's a command of Jesus. And he said, if you love me, obey my commands. So if you love me, love your enemies. If you love me, love God more than anything else. If you love me, love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. How are you doing in this question of how well you're loving Jesus? How about this one? I gave you Mark 
8.34. This is where Jesus says, hey, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Whoa, we just heard Jesus say another command from Jesus. If you want to be my follower, you got to deny yourself. Let me summarize that with modern day English, the way we speak. Jesus is essentially saying, if you want to be my disciple, you have to embrace the reality. Are you ready for this? Lean in. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I want and you want and your preferences. This is going to rock some people's world, but did you know that the church does not exist so that you can have everything the way you want it? Jesus would say, no, being a Christ follower, it's about self-denial. It's about taking up a cross of submission to my authority and following me. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's never going to be about you. It's about me, Jesus. Whoo, that's not an easy teaching. And he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I gave you Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. If you go look that up, that's where Jesus basically says, let your light shine before men so that other people see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? You know what the command there is? I expect my followers to live in such a way that your life has such an attractive quality to others around you. No, 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 no. You misunderstood. You thought I said I wanted you to be that angry Christian on social media that's yelling at the world about their sin. That's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to live in such a way that your good deeds, your good works would be so attractive to an unsaved world around you that they would look at your life and go, whoa, uh, there's something about her life. There's something about his life that's attractive. What do they have that I don't have? I want what they've got. Jesus said, that's what I expect of my followers, that you would live in such a way that people would see your good works and want to know where you got that from. What are, what are you doing that I'm missing out on? What do you have that I don't? Is, is, is that true of your life? Can you look at other people in your life and go, man, God has used my life and my story to bring other people into his kingdom. I gave you Matthew chapter 18. Let's park on this one for a minute. Verses 15 through 17. Let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about relationships. It's easy to talk about how much we love Jesus until we have to prove it by how we do relationships with one another. Because in Matthew 18, Jesus said, If your brother sins against you, Hold a grudge against him for the rest of your life and never talk to him and avoid him and go gossip about him to other people. Defriend him on Facebook. That's what Jesus said. Is that what your Bible says in Matthew 18? It's not what my Bible says either. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go to him. Just the two of you. In love, go to him. Sit down one-on-one -on -one so that you can be restored to your brother. Amazing to think that we serve a God that is so relational. He, he's not only concerned about our relationship with him. He actually ties our relationship to him into our relationship with other people. And he says, if you're really following me, then your relationships with others ought to be well. Doesn't mean we will never have conflict. It doesn't mean that we won't run up against some people in our life that are just impossible to get along with, right? The Bible speaks of that. But wherever it depends on us, Romans 12, 18, I think, says, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Jesus says, when you have an issue with your brother, you go to them. And by the way, you don't do it two months from now. 
You do it today, just between the two of you, and you show him his fault so that you can be reconciled. And if you think that Jesus might have just been, you know, kind of off one day and he didn't really mean that, I gave you another reference of Matthew chapter 5. And this is where Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Jesus is saying again, relationships are so important. If you come to the altar to give your gift to the Lord and there at the altar, you remember that your brother has something against you. Watch this. Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother and be reconciled. Then come back and offer your gift to the Lord. Do you catch what Jesus is saying? I care so much about your relationships with other people. I'm willing to let your worship of me be set aside momentarily while you go get that right with the other person. And yet how many churches today are full of dysfunctional relationships and broken relationships that come from disobedient Christians that would give lip service to loving God and yet they're not obeying his commands. Guys, I got to tell you the moment the moment you start doing life with other sinful, selfish people, the moment you get involved in the life of the church, I promise there will be conflict. I promise someone's going to offend you or hurt your feelings or make you mad. They might not do it on purpose, and to be honest, at times, maybe they even meant it. And Jesus said, I care so much about your relationships with others. Leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. I wonder if I'm speaking to anyone in the Rescue Church this weekend that you need to go today. Today. You need to go and sit down with the brother or sister in this church, or maybe someone beyond in the body of Christ, you know, beyond this church but someone in your relational network that you need to sit down with and say, listen, I need to get right with you. I've been holding a grudge for three years. I have not spoken to you. I've been distant. I've been standoffish. And I, and I apologize. Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Don't give lip service to how much we love the Lord if we're not willing to obey his commands. And remember, this is just a sampling. I'll give you one more and then, then I'll move off of this. I think I've made my point. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28. I gave you that reference. If you go there, that's where you're hearing Jesus speak of a heart issue. And he says this, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, thou shall not commit adultery. So he's talking about committing adultery, right? But he goes on to say, but I say, if you look at a woman lustfully, if you look at a woman with lust, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus takes it to a whole nother level when he says, look, it's not just about committing a physical sexual act. It's about what your mind thinks. It's about what's in your heart. And what the statistics tell us, church, is that we've got two-thirds of the men in the church of Jesus Christ and about 25% of the women of the church of Jesus Christ that are addicted to pornography. And we believe the lie that says, oh, it's not hurting anybody. It's just looking at, you know, enjoying God's beauty of his creation. And we, we have all these rationalizations. And yet today, the, the statistics, if they're anywhere even close to the truth, the, the, the reality is that today I'm speaking to men in the life of the rescue church, that you are addicted. And if you would be honest with yourself, you would, you would admit that even though at the moment you've been able to hide it from everyone else around you, the truth is this, 
the claws of the enemy are getting sunk deeper and deeper into your soul. Because the thing that used to satisfy, the thing that used to scratch that itch, you're going back to it more often, more regularly, and it's got to get more sick and more twisted and more perverted because it's not satisfying like it used to. And you're hooked. And I believe God's will for the men in his church and the women in his church is that we would be warriors for his kingdom. And yet we got a whole bunch of soldiers that have been sidelined because they got their pants around their ankles. And they're looking at crap they shouldn't be looking at. And they're in no position to fight the enemy. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. You'll stop rationalizing it. You'll stop hiding it. And you'll bring it out into the open. And you'll confess it. You'll agree with me that it's wrong. And you'll take some steps to put some accountability in your life. And to get the help that you need to be set free from this. Because I have something so much better for you. You, you see why I wanted to park on this one for a little bit this morning, church, before we just rattle past the statement of Jesus, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Let's, let's drill down into his commands a little bit and go, oh my goodness. That's just the sampling of Jesus' commands. And I would ask the question again, how well are you loving Jesus this morning? Based on your obedience to his commands, how well are we loving him? Now, I just want to embrace the heaviness of the moment because right now, if the here's the truth. If the message stopped right there and it was just Jesus telling us to try harder, to be a better Christian, pull yourself up by your own strength and power, and just do a better job today than you did yesterday, this would be a very discouraging message. Because it's like he's giving us a command, but we don't have the help. Because I don't know about you, but even though I want to follow Jesus, even though I want to obey his commands, I sometimes struggle with sin in my life. And my sin may look different than your sin, but I promise when I look at my own life as a reflection of God's truth, like I go, whoa, there's areas I need to improve. And how I love other people and how I prioritize my relationship with God and the stuff I think about and where my heart's at sometimes. I gotta, if, if the message is just try harder, this is kind of hopeless because I know my struggles. Here's where the message is good news, though. Let, let's go on to the next verse, verse 16. Jesus goes on to say this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Advocate. If you've got your Bible open or if your handouts are in front of you, underline that word advocate. I will give, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then he tells us who this advocate is. It's the spirit of truth. We're getting introduced to the Holy Spirit. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, we've seen God the Father. We see moments where the Son of God shows up on the scene. You kind of have to you know, know what you're looking for there because it's not, the, it's not Jesus as a baby. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. Sometimes we see show up in various parts of the Old Testament. There's parts of the Old Testament where we get glimpses of the Holy Spirit, but we're getting ready. Jesus is starting to tell his disciples, hey, the Holy Spirit's getting ready to come, and we're about to see the third member of this triune Godhead become a major player in the life of the New Testament church. Jesus is essentially telling his disciples here, help is on the way. Because guess what? Without God's help, you can't obey my commands. That's the command. If you love me, obey my commands, do what I tell you to do. But here's what God, and, and, and I know, is that you can't do it without help. Help is on the way. 
by the way, you, if you want to write these words down, you can on your notes. If you read different translations of Scripture, uh, different translations use the following words to describe the, the Holy Spirit. We read the word advocate. Some translations use the word helper. Some translations use the word comforter. Some translations use the word counselor. But it's all referring to the same reality. It's this idea that God is sending himself to step into our lives to bring us help that w- where we need help. Like to, to be able to do what we cannot do in and of ourselves. It's like he's acknowledging, I know you need help. And so I'm coming to help. And by the way, that's the summary if you want to write this down. God has given me the Holy Spirit to help me obey Christ. That's the good news. It's not just this message of Jesus gave us this very simple command, but it's a very hard command to follow, to obey him. And so good luck with that. Try really hard to be a good Christian. Get down on yourself when you struggle, when you, when you feel like sin is winning the war against you. Just you know, feel a bunch of guilt and blame yourself and feel condemned. No, the message is this. Help is on the way. I'm sending my spirit to be with you and to help you do the things I've told you to do. We're not in this alone. Praise God, because I need help to obey those commands, and and I'm guessing that you need help as well. Jesus goes on to say this about the Holy Spirit in verse 17. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Like when you're living outside of Christ, you just don't get it. You don't have the Holy Spirit, and so your eyes are blinded to a lot of reality, to a lot of truth. But he goes on to say, but you know him. And I want you to underline this next part of Jesus' sentence. He says, for he lives with you and will be in you. What an amazing thought. And then I love this next line. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And, And here Jesus has just told his disciples that he's leaving them. But now he's saying, but there's good news, guys. You're not going to be left here alone. I'm coming to you. But he's coming to them in the form of God, the Holy Spirit. In a way that they had never experienced God yet at this moment. Like God had not yet come to permanently indwell in the lives of his people at this point. What an amazing thought. So here's what I want you to to write down. If, If we summarize what we just heard Jesus say, write this down. God is not distant from me. He is with me. He is in me. Now, that last statement, sentence, that's hard to say sometimes, that last sentence is not true of you if you are outside of a relationship with Christ right now. The Holy Spirit of God does not live inside of you. But the first statement is true regardless of who you are. God is not distant from you. I just had a conversation this past week. I had a great opportunity to share the gospel with someone. I was out for a morning walk and and just ran across a a friend from town and was able to go into the spiritual conversation. And and it's not uncommon as I get to have these conversations to hear people unpack this theme that, man, because of how bad I've messed up, God is so distant from me. Like he's so far from me. And I believe God brought some people to the Rescue Church this weekend to remind you or to tell you for the first time, I'm not as far away as you think I am. Church, we serve a personal God who wants a personal relationship with us. We heard Jesus say, you know him. You can know this God personally. 
And not only is he with you, that's a great promise that, that is for someone today, that God is with you right now. No matter what you're going through, he's with you. But it gets better than that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is in you. He gives us discernment when we need discernment. He gives us wisdom when we need wisdom. He gives us strength and power when we need strength and power. Hey, by the way, can I say a little side note to the new Christians in the sound of my voice? Like if, if in recent weeks or days or months you've come to know Christ as your Savior and you've prayed and you don't even fully understand exactly everything that's going on yet, uh, but here's, I want you to recognize something because this will happen. If it hasn't happened already, and it probably has, you're going to start to notice that things inside of you are changing. And what I mean by that is this, like things where you used to feel like, you know, I love doing this certain activity. I really enjoy this. God is going to start taking some of that desire away. I'm not saying you won't still struggle with temptation or sin, but, but the truth is you're going to start to feel different about some things that you didn't feel any kind of guilt or shame or regret. You're going to start to go, ooh, I don't enjoy that as much. Can I just explain to you what's happening? That is God in you. That is the Holy Spirit starting to help you know the difference between right and wrong. That's the Holy Spirit starting to bring God's conviction, not condemnation, his conviction, to say, I've got something better for you. You're not going to like that as much as you used to because that leads to death. And I want life for you. So when you start noticing that, like, what's wrong with me? What's going on with me? That is evidence that your relationship with Jesus Christ is real and the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And he's starting to work in your life in ways that you can't even fully understand or explain, but he's there and he's moving. Because we serve a God who's not distant, he's with us, he's in us. What an amazing promise. I just want to skip down to a few more verses here in John chapter 14 to kind of summarize and then we'll close with a word of prayer. Verse 25, let's go there. Jesus said, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. That's kind of summarizing what, what I just said. Like you have the Spirit living within you to, to remind you of Jesus' words and his teaching. And then look at this. He says, peace I leave with you. Would, would you just underline that word peace in your Bible or in your notes? peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And then look what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. One more summary statement if I can make this if you want to write this down. The Holy Spirit gives me true peace and helps me overcome fear. Not only does the Holy Spirit help me obey the commands of Jesus, but he also brings peace into my life. And I want you to notice that part where Jesus said, the peace I give is not like the peace that the world has to offer. Here's what I think he means by that. Like the, the peace the world can offer us is only peace when everything is okay in life. And, and I don't know about you, but in my life, I get very few moments where everything's fine and there's, there's like zero problems on any horizon. Like, there's just very few seasons of life that I'm not struggling with some, something that's frustrating or discouraging or a need or an area of sadness or an area of fear. And I see things going on around me in the world landscape at the national level, even in my own family at times, sometimes in my marriage. And for all of that to line up and, and be okay almost never happens ever in my life. 
And, and that's when the world can offer you peace, is it's completely dependent on external circumstances. And Jesus is saying, look, look, the, the peace that I bring you through the, through the Holy Spirit is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace even in the middle of some of the most difficult trials you may face in your life. It is not dependent on external circumstances. You can be up against the worst financial need, physical need, relational challenge, whatever the problem may be. And in spite of all of that chaos and turmoil, you can have my peace because of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. It's going to be okay. And you know what? In a world where there is so much anxiety and fear. Jesus can say, because of the advocate that's coming, the Holy Spirit that will come and live in the hearts of my people, I can actually tell you with a straight face, don't be afraid. Because you can face this world not with fear, but with the heart of a conquering warrior. You're going to overcome this. And I pray that that's a word of encouragement and hope to somebody here today, that you're struggling with some stuff we serve a God who is not distant. He is with us. He is in us. And even through the midst of the trials and the storms, we can walk in peace and no fear because of who Jesus is. Hey, church, my question for you this morning is simple. Do you know this Jesus? Have you invited this Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Man, today I believe Jesus is extending that offer of salvation to anyone who would receive it. I would challenge you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In just a moment, as I close in a word of prayer, from wherever you're joining us, you can pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Are you growing? You know, we talk about this no, grow, go. Can I just ask the question, church, are you growing? I believe if we really love Jesus, and as a result, we're actually obeying his commands, I think what that's going to look like is growth in our life. And it's not perfection. It's messy, you know, it's two steps forward and one step back, but it's growth nonetheless. Are you growing? Or maybe even this morning as, as I've been preaching God's word to you, maybe the Holy Spirit kind of tapped on your heart and said, you know what, we, we need to deal with this issue in your life. Would you just confess that to the Lord this morning and be honest about that and ask for his help? You don't have to try harder to fix it in and of yourself. Lean into him. And receive his help. And then finally, church, are we going? Like, seriously, does the rescue church actually care about reaching people in our communities for the cause of Christ? Or are those just empty words that we throw around on a Sunday? My prayer is that because we love Jesus, we're actually doing what he told us to do. We would obey those other commands where he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Get over yourself and go serve others. I, I'm kind of adding that, get over yourself. But it's the deny yourself and go serve others. How are we doing? How are you doing? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Do you love him? Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. God, I thank you for these words of Jesus. So simple. If, if we love you, we will obey your commands. Lord, that's an easy uh, statement to understand. But I speak for myself, and Lord, I speak on behalf of a, a church full of real people that live in a real world that's been cursed by sin in a real way and just say that, Lord, without your help, that's very difficult to do. It's easy to understand and to preach about, but to actually obey you, Jesus, is not always easy. And I thank you that you knew that. And in your goodness and in your sovereignty, you gave us help. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our church. We welcome you into our hearts and our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now in this quiet moment, you would just do your thing in our hearts. Encourage, comfort, convict, bring discernment, bring wisdom, bring that word of the next step, whatever it is that we need to take. And then, Lord, even with it, bring us the courage that we need to obey and take that step of faith, of obedience. Lord, maybe for some today, that's them coming to know you in a relationship and confessing their sin before you, repenting and turning to you, Jesus, and to you alone for the free gift of eternal life. I pray right now there would be people in this church calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation. Lord, for others, maybe it's something that we, we talked about in that early part of the message. Maybe there's something specific, a command that Jesus clearly gave that when we look into the mirror of Scripture, we see the reflection is not what it ought to be. Whether it's in how we're doing relationships with others and how we're prioritizing our life and some of the addictions that we're feeding, Lord, maybe it's something we didn't even talk about. I just pray that your spirit would illuminate that and show us that and help us to deal with it and grow. Lord, thank you that your word promises if we confess our sins, that you, God, are faithful and just and you forgive us our sin, you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holy Spirit, I pray that this weekend would be a weekend of cleansing in the life of this church. That there would be some confessions being made, some repentance being offered. And that then we know you'll be faithful to your word to bring forgiveness. God, I pray that you'd use this church to continue to reach people, to help people know you, to grow in their faith, and to go serve others. Jesus, you get all the glory and the praise and the honor for how you use this message. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.